Welcome to Edra, a share on the Hammer Betting Network. I'm your host, Chris Abbott, joined by TA from Clev Analytics and the Hitman. We will run down the entire slate of NFL games here in week two. We had a really interesting chat about week one. I want to personally thank both of you guys for helping me, uh, along with 892 other people, be tied for second place in the Circa Million at four and one. Uh, I, I almost got there. The Eagles got me by one point, um, but uh, I'm happy about that. I had a pretty good week. Um, Hitman, let me start with you. How was how was your week one? It was good. From a sides and totals perspective, I had a winning week, and it, it's my favorite week of the year to bet. And why is that? Not because I'm betting the week of. As a matter of fact, the week of, it's probably the hardest week to win at. But it's because you could bet these lines in May, June, July, and you could get great bets like the Panthers plus four and a half. They end up closing minus one. Where does the game land? Right in the middle of that. So you could do really well with the week one sides and totals as long as you're predicting line movement and getting in front of that line movement. And TA, I know that that we chatted a little bit on the day-to-day show, but we never really talked about how we did as as betters in week one. And um, I know just like the hitman said, you had a lot of bets locked in from who knows when, uh, probably before the 4th of July in some cases. How, how'd it go for you? Yeah, I had a great week one, um, just uh, kind of in all plays, did, re- did really well. And then I went 5-0 and in the circuit contest. So uh, I can't complain about 5-0. and So um, really happy with that. Capped it off with the uh, the Geno Smith show on Monday night and uh, holding off Denver. Needed, needed some lucky breaks at the goal line, but, uh, but you're going you're gonna to need that in a lot of these games. So I thought the week one went really well. And a lot of stuff we talked about last week was uh, very um, – you know, you, you, very actionable. So uh, hopefully we can we can do that again here for week two. Well, that's the idea for all the listeners out there is to try and make them better. I count myself among those guys and uh, you guys made me better. So I look forward to doing it again here in week two. Um, I was strutting around like Vince McMahon with my four and one, but you had to go with the five and oh, just under the radar. Very impressive. I'd love to hear that. Um, before we dive into week two, the one question I do want to ask, and I probably already know the answer because you guys have been working on your models for years and years. Did anything happen in week one about a player, a team, a stat that you didn't value as much or maybe value too much? Anything change for you after week one or is it full steam ahead with what you've had going before? Um, I'll start with you, T.A. You know, honestly, I, I felt like I had a really good read going into the season and, and you know, there wasn't a ton that changed for me week one. I will say, you know, I thought there, it was more lower scoring than, than expected. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of, uh, uh, you know, shootouts besides well, the, the Lions-Eagles game, which I was on the under. That was one of, probably my worst <laughs> play of the week. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'd say the one thing, you know, I don't want to overreact, try not to. I think that's the biggest message to convey is, you know, one game doesn't change much. Uh, I, I personally just kind of still stick to my priors and, um, you know, play off of any sort of big overreactions. And we're seeing, you know, some of the, it's not as big this year as I think I've seen in prior years, but there have been some, some lines that we could discuss that I think of are, are overextended. Um, but in general, this is, this is a week to kind of don't, don't go crazy. Don't, uh, um, take what happened last week in, in, uh, and, you know, overemphasize it too much. I mean, last year, week one, we saw the Cardinals, what they went into Tennessee and won by 30. And, you know, the, the Titans ended up winning the AFC. So it's, it's you know, I wouldn't hang my head on too much of what happened last week. But, um, you know, make sure that you're, you're level-headed as much as you can. And, um, and that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I agree with you don't want to overreact. I, I 100% agree with that. But at the same time, I think more than any other week, I'm making a bigger adjustment to a team based off of this week than I will any other week. So let's say the max typically when you don't consider injuries, the max on a normal week, I'll usually adjust a team's power rating, maybe a point usually if they have a really bad outing, but this week it's not, it's, it's not unheard of to adjust a team one and a half to two points. Like, for example, I had Dallas two points better than average team going into that Tampa game. Now, maybe I was just too high on them. Well, not maybe. I was too high on them. But I downgraded them two points with Dak as their quarterback. And obviously, I downgraded them significantly more. But it it is a week that I'll make some of my biggest adjustments. So that's on, on one hand, you could say that. 
On the other hand, I do agree. You do want to take advantage of some of the overreactions in the marketplace as well. A couple of the teams that, that didn't perform well, I didn't <laughs> as much. I was lower on than the market. Like I was lower on Dallas in the market. I talked all off season about a lot of the, you know, their defense was really all about turnovers and, you know, obviously we know the offensive line issues. We talked about this last week and the wide receiver issues. So I was already down on them. I was, I was down on the Rams. I, I have their alternative under uh win total. I've gone on a couple of podcasts and talked about how I was fading them. So that didn't surprise me. And so like a lot of the teams that disappointed may, may have changed other people's um, power ratings. And I totally get that. But for me, it, it, I guess it just so happened that I was on those sides. I mean, some people are upgrading the giants, which, you know, again, I, I'm not going to take a victory lap here. They, I, that was my largest exposure last week. Um, not on, not just sides, but you know, also to uh, to win outright. So, they, but I watched that game and they they did not play well. So, you know, um, I'm not going to upgrade them. But I already had them a little bit higher than the market. So it just so happened that you know what I thought going in actually aligned with my 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 actual thinking of them, their their rating. So that's all that. That's all I meant by that. You know, obviously. In, in past years, <laughs> I've, I've changed some, um, you know, my way of thinking of, of some teams. But, um, you know, for now, you know, I just so happen to kind of luck into that. I, mean, I will say if the Niners fail again, if Trey Lance struggles again, I'll definitely, uh, it, you know, be wrong on that one. Because I thought that Trey Lance would would come out of the gates firing. And obviously the, the weather was a, an issue there. So maybe things will change this week. But, you know, that's one I'll keep an eye on. And if if he has another subpar week then I'll, I'll clearly be um, downgrading them substantially. That's, so that's one I'm definitely going to keep an eye on. Yeah, hard to really gain too much about that game in Chicago other than the fact that uh, some guys can perform uh, in a monsoon or not. So hopefully we don't see too many more uh, weather-affected games like that one. You know, you guys talk about overreacting. One area where the NFL has not overreacted this season uh, they've corrected what's been a, an issue of mine, not so much last year, I don't think, but in previous years. And that was a Thursday nighter that a lot of people didn't want to watch. And now that you've got some networks putting money into the Thursday night slot, we've, we opened with Rams builds, and now we get Chargers Chiefs on Thursday night. Game opened at minus three for the Chiefs at home, total around 54. Right now, I'm looking at a four-point spread. Total anywhere from 53 and a half to 54 and a half. Are we looking at another shootout with these teams and these, you know, stud quarterbacks? What, what are we going to get this week? Um, how do you guys see this playing out? I'll, 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 um, I'll go with the hitman first here. Yeah. You know, my power ratings support the chargers just a little bit. And if you remember last year, the, the chargers played them pretty well. And I do think that Brandon Staley, unlike the Cardinals who blitzed Mahomes inexplicably, like what, 70% of their defensive snaps or something. I do think that Brandon Staley will sit that with his safeties back and that too high look possibly make Mahomes think and dunk down the field, which gave the chiefs a little bit of trouble last season, but it's just a lot of injuries right now. Keenan Allen, obviously a big loss, JC Jackson, a big loss. And yeah, Andy Reid, Spent this whole offseason trying to scheme looks and get this team ready to play against this too high. It's really going to be their first test of this entire season. Long story short, don't have much of an opinion on this other maybe a lean to the Chargers. Yeah, I actually, um, I'm already on the under, this first half under 27 and a half. It's, it's looks like it's, it's shaded to 27 and, and some juice. So, you know, probably not a play right now, but um I just took a you know a small play on it. Uh, I was thinking the Chargers, but uh, it just passed um, because of the Keenan Allen injury. I just you know the, their wide receiver core is pretty thin as it is, and so losing him, especially you know his value is way way bigger. I think at you know at night in a hostile environment where you need those third down those big third down fourth down conversions, um, that's where he really shines. And that's, that's, a, you know, the perfect guy to have it in, in a tough spot like that. So without him, that, that really kind of changed my view of this game. And, you know, rightfully the, the line moved a little bit. So, um, but I did take the first half under these teams um, in three, three times that Herbert and Mahomes have faced each other in, in Herbert's career, uh, all three have gone under in the first half, 17, 24, 20 total points in those first halves. But the funny thing is they, they've played such crazy shootouts um, and wild games uh, that have gone to a couple have gone to overtime. One has gone to the end of regulation. 
they produced 17, 37, and 35 points in those three games in the fourth quarters in OT. Just a crazy amount of points at the end of these games. So, you know, typically they kind of fill each other out. And I think I think the Chargers defense is a little bit undervalued by the market. Um, you know, this total last year uh, in week three was was also 54 and a half. And I mean, it's it's night and day between this Chargers defense this year and last year. Um, no Tyreek Hill, obviously, for the, for the Chiefs and no Keenan Allen. So I can't really justify uh, that number being that high. But I, I just wanted the first half here uh, just to uh, ensure there's no sort of sh- late game shenanigans. But uh, and obviously, no Harrison Bucker. He left the game last week, the kicker for the Chiefs, and he's not going to play this week. So, you know, a few little things here that kind of add up to the to the under for me in the first half. But that, no, no play on the side for me. Yeah, and not enough people are talking about Harrison Butker being out. I guess uh, their backup, their emergency backup, did a half-decent job uh, on the weekend. All right, next game, we've got the Miami Dolphins who opened at plus four, plus three and a half, depending where you were looking, about 45 and a half on the total. Uh, they had to Baltimore to play the Ravens. Both teams won and covered as favorites last weekend. Um, let's start with you, T.A. Any, anything on this game that uh, that has your eye? No, you know, we talked about on the injury show yesterday, just keeping an eye on, um, you know, the Baltimore injuries. Uh, they lost Jawan James, who, who started at left tackle last last week uh, for Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley um, is questionable this week. So I want to keep an eye on that. I, I think that line could hit three if he's out again. Uh, just just a guess uh, because he is he's pretty important. And, uh, you know, the, the Dolphins can get some some edge pressure. You know, the, the Ravens, I didn't watch that game, but just looking at some of the numbers, they were not very impressive um, from a efficiency standpoint. Uh, they were kind of, you know, hit a couple big plays in the passing game, but really didn't do anything at all on the, on the ground. So I don't think this offense is very good just in general. They don't have many weapons. And who knows if J.K. Dobbins is going to play this week, but if, even if he does, he's not 100%. So they just don't have that explosion uh, on offense outside of Lamar running the ball. Uh, and if they play a legitimate defense and Miami, I think is, is, you know, fairly legitimate, I think they're going to get some, some trouble here. So, um, you know, I have not taken to touch this game, but if, if Stanley is out and it stays at three and a half, I'll definitely consider Miami. Miami's the only way I could look also what a little bit of concern. I know we talked about the Ravens injuries, uh, Miami could possibly be without both their tackles, which would be a little bit troublesome, for them, but regardless, like TA said, um, Baltimore did not have the run game that we're accustomed to. They're dealing with a bunch of injuries on the offensive line. We know that they probably have the worst wide receivers in the entire NFL. And for some reason last week, Lamar Jackson wasn't running much. I think only six carries for 20 yards. They're going to need him to be aggressive on the ground for them to score points because of the lack of wide receivers and the lack of quality offensive linemen they have right now. So I think anything three and a half or more would have me looking at Miami this week. Next up, we've got a game between a couple of teams that will leave you scratching your head. A lot of people say, don't bet on bad teams. I don't know if you guys have the same view. Got the New York Jets opening at six and a half point underdogs, total at 43 against the Cleveland Browns. This line now sits at six. I'm seeing totals as low as 39 and a half. Um, Just by looking at this spread and total, I feel like I don't want to watch this game. Is there anything in this game um, for either of you guys? I'll start uh, with you, Hitman. Not really. Uh, Power rating wise, I make... I make it what it is. Now, I know some people will say, I don't want to bet on bad teams, but you know, sometimes the toughest bets to make are on those bad teams, but a lot of times they'll present the most value. So I really don't uh, subscribe to that line of thinking, but regardless, C- Cleveland, I-, I just don't trust them to cover margin right now. They're, g- they're going to be such a conservative offense. They averaged four yards per passing play in week one. This is just going to be all run game, all defense. And when you're playing that type of style as a six and a half point favorite, you really can't have anything not go your way. One kick return touchdown, and it's going to be tough for an offense that cannot throw the ball very well to cover that type of spread. So for me, it's a complete pass. Yeah, you know, obviously I know the Browns pretty well, uh, my hometown team, and I watched every minute of that game and yeah, like, like Hitman said, they're, they're going to be conservative. That didn't shock me. They, they just, they're going to rely on the run game, their offensive line. 
the occasional throw, but it, it was very conservative. And once they got the lead, they just tried to hang on. And so, you know, here, I think those, you'll see something similar. They obviously have a talent edge over the Jets. And like Joe Flacco hasn't, I mean, I don't think he's won a game in two and a half years or something crazy. He's, he's gone a long time without um, you know, winning. And, you know, I know some people are saying that the, the Jets put up some yardage against Baltimore, but, you know, of their 378 yards last week, I think, you know, half of it came in the, the final three drives when they're down 24 to three. Um, might be actually be more than that. So I, I don't really, I take that with a grain of salt. Uh, you, know, th- you know, three of the first four possessions were, um, were punts. Uh, the, the fourth one was an interception on their third play. So, you know, uh, I don't think they're going to be able to do, do much. This, this Browns defense is very good. I mean, they are all over Baker Mayfield. They, they attacked them. Uh, the Jets have issues at, at both tackle spots. So uh, I, I don't know if the Jets are going to do much here at all. Um, you know, if they're going to cover, it's going to be a really low scoring game. And it's going to be like a, you know, 17, 13 type of finish. But again, I don't have a, I don't have a real side here. I, I, if I, if I had to, I'd take the Browns to be honest, because I, I just think that their, they can, their defense can overwhelm Flacco. But uh, again, the, uh, it's just a lot of points for a team led by Jacoby Brissett to, to cover. And, and their, their incentive is not to, to cover really at this point. It's really just to get out of there with a win. So it's, it's, if they have the lead early in the second half, they're just going to be sitting on it, and you're you're going to be frustrated as a Browns backer trying to cover a big number. So uh, I would leave this alone. Next up, we've got another game between a couple of uh, what you might consider bad teams. Uh, the Washington Commanders opened at plus one and a half or two, depending on where you were at, with a total of 46 and a half at Ford Field against the Detroit Lions. Yes, the Detroit Lions are a – favorite at home for the first time since November 15th, 2020, where they beat Washington 30 to 27. So uh, it's been a while for Lions backers before they had to lay the points one other time in there, November 22nd, the next week uh, after that 30, 27, win, they were a three point favorite on the road in Carolina, they were shut out 20, nothing. And they have not been a favorite in the national football league since with that. This line has come down a little bit in most places, uh, one and a half if it opened at two at your book. Total uh, anywhere between 48 and a half, 49 and a half right now. After that preamble, with some considerable research, as you can tell, um, does anybody have any interest in this game? Uh, let's start with UTA. Yeah, so I, uh, I like Washington in a teaser leg. Uh, get them above, obviously get them over the three and the seven. You know, it, you feel pretty safe when you've got a Lions team to um, to be able to cover seven and a half uh, as an underdog to the Lions. So I'll take that all day. And Washington, you know, looked pretty good on offense last week. Carson Wentz, you know, made a couple of Carson Wentz mistakes, but in general, I mean, he threw the ball pretty nicely. And Jahan Dotson, uh, you know, did a nice job down the field, um, a couple touchdowns. I think they've got some weapons with Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin and uh, the Lions defense still really struggled. They got gashed by Philadelphia. So as long as that defense is going to continue to play like that, they're going to keep any, every team uh, in it. So uh, I think this is a clear, maybe one of the best teaser legs on the board uh, for Washington and the Lions. I saw the injury report today. There's a bunch of injuries, not just the ones we talked about last week. There's some, some um, offensive line issues that they had last week, but also DeAndre Swift uh, didn't practice and he may not play. And that that's a huge blow because he's so explosive. He had over hundred yards last week. So keep an eye on that one. But to me, it's, this is a Washington, either Washington, if you want to take them, no problem, but you know, teaser leg at minimum. Yeah. I'm going to have a lot of games that I'm going to say make good teaser legs. And this is one of the top ones. I I made the game pick them and Washington, their season win coming into the year was eight. Detroit was, let's say, 6.75. That would basically indicate that these teams should probably be pick them uh, in Detroit. And yet somehow after Washington won and covered last week and Detroit was getting blown out against Philadelphia, we have a spread of Detroit minus two, two and a half in some places. It just doesn't make sense to me. I think that Washington's about one and a half, two points better. Line should be pick them. Um, if this doesn't get to three, I don't think it will. Then Washington makes a great teaser leg. Yeah, I mean, they, they Detroit does what they they did last year. They they just 
they get blown out and they come back, uh, you know, and, and they cover um, kind of these cheap touchdowns at the end. And it makes things look a lot closer than they really were. Um, I mean, they're down 31, 14 early in the third quarter, 38, 21 at the end of the third quarter, like this game wasn't close, but everyone's going to look and say, Oh, they covered and not to rub it in Chris. Cause I know he lost on that Eagles leg, but that, that was not a close game. And so I, I don't know why they're getting this respect. Um, it boggles my mind. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we'll see if they can cover as a, as a favorite. I don't think they'll, Honestly, I don't think they'll close as a favorite. I think they'll close as a pick or even Washington minus one. I just just can't imagine, um, especially if DeAndre Swift doesn't play, I can't imagine that they close as a favorite. DeAndre Swift looked closer to the DeAndre Swift we saw in college than he ever has last week. He was definitely a bright spot for the Lions. Well, fellas, a a friend of mine reaches out to me a couple of days before the season starts, and I'm not a big survivor pool guy, but He's like, oh, come on, we got this really big one. It's it's decent prize money. Why don't you get in? I said, all right, okay, I'll get in. And uh, he picked the Indianapolis Colts along with a lot of people in a lot of survivor contests who were very, very sour on Sunday evening. Uh, they opened as a four-point road favorite. Again, this time in Jacksonville, 45 and a half was the opening total. Total still around there. The spread is still around there. Um, they cut their kicker this week, <laughs> who I thought had been pretty good, but I guess the stats don't really back it up. Maybe I just like the fact that his name was Rodrigo. Uh, let's start with you, Hitman. What do you think about this one? Not much. Um, one thing that I will say about this is the Colts, they're one and seven straight up, 0 and 8 against the spread on the road in Jacksonville since 2015. It's been a place that they've struggled mightily. A lot of times with bigger road favorites like I consider the Colts to be right now at least semi-big a lot of times what ends up beating them is the lack of full focus because they're the clearly superior team they're in a nice area like Jacksonville maybe you get a little bit lackadaisical and Jacksonville has a home run effort at home well the Colts are going to be a motivated favorite obviously we all remember what happened in the last week of last season with the Colts losing as huge favorites in Jacksonville. I have to think that it's going to be a home run spot where the favorite gives Jacksonville their best game. So just based off of that, I don't have a play on it, but the only way that I could look is towards the super motivated road favorite, which is the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, no, no play for me either, uh, but it would be the Colts or nothing. And you know, um, it's interesting. So they're minus four in Jacksonville. They're minus seven, seven and a half in Houston. You know, so is, is Jacksonville th- three points better? Or so I, I don't know than Houston. Um, if you want to look at it that way, no Darius Leonard last week was huge for that for for Houston because he's just the heart and soul. Again, we talked about this yesterday uh, on the injury show. Um, so if he can play, and I think he will, that's going to be a huge bump for for Indy. But yeah, I, I'm I'm passing. But it it you know. I think the Colts are probably the smart side here, um, but there's just so many variables with all, all the demons that they have in Jacksonville. It's so weird that they they just can't win there um, with superior teams. I mean, double digit favorite type teams, and uh, so something's going on there. So I, I'm just going to pass, and um, you know, hopefully the Colts can win and kind of right the ship for for the rest of their season. All right, maybe now into some more games that'll have a little more cachet to them as we work our way through the early window. Two teams won and didn't cover last week. We've already touched on the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the other was the New Orleans Saints. They are they opened as a three-point underdog to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 48 was the opening total. The totals come down three and a half, four points, and the spread two and a half, three, still wherever you're looking. Um I tell you what, it's you don't see Tom Brady picking himself up, picking himself up off the ground uh, in the red zone quite as often as we did last week, uh, which was a little surprising to me. Do you think some of the shine comes off the Bucks coming into this game? Is that why we're seeing a little more Saints action potentially? Yeah, I don't know. I um, I thought the Bucks played well last week, so I don't know why they'd be you know uh, you know any you know, any sort of negative sentiment. I thought they played well. Um, you know, their offensive line is banged up. They went up against, you know, a couple of strong edge rushers and Micah Parsons and, and uh, uh, Lawrence. And, um, you know, they had to adjust and they ran the ball down their uh, down the Cowboys throats and defensively, they were awesome. So personally, it doesn't change my opinion on them. I think 
a question here. I, I know that a lot of people kind of circled this game um, last week as kind of a, a good look ahead spot to take the Saints. So maybe they're getting a little bit money there, but I'm looking at this injury report and my God, I Tampa is absolutely decimated. I mean, there's, there's like their entire offense is uh, mispracticed or was limited today. Leonard Fournette, uh, Chris Godwin, uh, Julio Jones, Russell Gage, even Mike, Mike Evans, Donovan Smith, their left tackle, all either limited or didn't practice today. I mean, that's just, that's, it's crazy. The number of offensive weapons that are on the, on the list. I don't think Godwin will play, um, you know, but the rest, you know, you, you would have thought we were going to play, but you know, who knows at this point. So they're, they're completely banged up. You look at the saints. I mean, uh, Alvin Kamara, uh, he also is, is banged up and, um, he was limited today. So, you know, there's a lot of question marks there, but I think just Tampa is just really beat up. <laughs> and I think just the fact that um, Ta- Tampa always, or Tom Brady always struggles against the Saints defense. I mean, the last we saw last year, they got shut out. We, we, we've seen it a couple of times. He really struggles against this defense and Dennis Allen, obviously Allen is still there as the head coach. So uh, that's probably why the number has dropped here. I, I have no interest in this at all. Um, you know, I know some people might want to tease the Saints, you know, um, that's a possibility, but I don't like teasing, you know, against these elite quarterbacks um, necessarily just because there's, there's so many, you can easily find yourself in a blowout if, if it goes the wrong, wrong way. But, uh, but yeah, it'll be an interesting game, but I, I don't want any part of this. For me only could look towards the saints. I'm not taking two and a half. If I take it, I'm going to wait to get a three or I'm not going to play the game. Um, yeah. Tampa, they, they looked they definitely looked decent against Dallas offensively. They, they were a little bit more run heavier than they were last year. And I think some of that was that they were just trying to protect Brady from taking too many hits against where with this offensive line that he has, that's missing uh, three starters from last season. And now they might be without Donovan Smith also. And one thing we know about the saints is they have matched up really well with Brady where their defensive line has gotten hits on them. And Marshawn Lattimore has done a great job against Mike Evans. And Julio Jones is a little banged up right now. Russell Gage didn't make much of an impact. Godwin's out for this game. Obviously, Gronk's retired. So uh, I still think that the Saints match up pretty well with Tampa, as they have in years past. So the the way that I'm probably going to approach this game is I'm going to take the Saints at three, which I think we're going to see again, or I'm going to pass it. There's still at least one three on the board at Betstamp as I'm looking here now um, with uh, with what we'll call a, an offshore book. Um, all right, moving right along. The Carolina Panthers opened as a two and a half point underdog to the New York Giants. And as we look at the board at the aforementioned Betstamp, we've got still about two and a half, 43 on the total. Um TA, what do you think about this one? Yeah, so I'm going <laughs> to, I was riding the Giants all summer long uh, going to week one, and I'm going to fade them <laughs> right, right after that in, in week two. Uh, I've got, I like Carolina. You can close that Washington tease with Carolina. Um, I, I just think that this is a complete overreaction for the Giants. This game should not be more than a pick them at worst. Uh, I don't know how the Giants are favored. Uh, maybe just because people like to watch Saquon Barkley. I'm not sure. Uh, but th- this is, uh, I mean, like I said, I, I would not make them a favorite here. I watched that game. Their their offense was pretty pitiful. There was maybe three or four like big plays from Barkley and the one throw from Daniel Jones on the field to Shepard for a touchdown. Otherwise, they couldn't do anything. Their offensive line was getting pushed around by Tennessee, and it was pretty ugly. Um, and Tennessee didn't even have their best pass rusher in Harold Landry. So, you know, Carolina's defense is pretty solid as well. They did a nice job against the Browns. I think they can cause some problems um, to, you know, with, with the giants as well. And I think the one area that, you know, I'm not sure what, what his prop is, but, um, Christian McCaffrey might have a monster game in the passing passing game. What, what I saw a lot of was Dontrell Hilliard, the Titans third down back was getting very open. Like the, the linebackers and safeties had no idea who was going to, who was going to cover him out of the backfield. He caught two touchdowns. He had another big play. He, he would have had a fourth and for a first down, but he dropped, he dropped an easy ball. Um, and, and Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator for the giants blitzes a ton. Like he's, he's notorious for that. That's what he did in Baltimore. So if there could be, if they catch him in the right blitz, 
um, and Carolina, you know, gets a screen out to McCaffrey or a swing pass. I mean, he could, he could have a huge game um, uh, through the air. So um, I expect that Baker Mayfield's actually used to playing uh, this, this defense when Cleveland against the Ravens. So he'll be ready for it. He, he's been a really good quarterback against the blitz prior to last year, last year, he struggled, but he struggled everywhere last year. Uh, but the prior two years, he was a top 10 PFF graded quarterback against the blitz. So I think that they'll be fine. They they showed they struggled really the first half of the of the game last week, and the second half they they hit a couple big explosive plays and played really well. So I just think they were nervous going in, or at least Baker was to start that game. And obviously the Browns knew Baker inside out, so it was it was a bad it was a disadvantage. Daniel Jones as a favorite is not very good. He's much better as an underdog. I mentioned that as a trend last week, uh, and he won outright again as a favorite. He's only two and five uh, on. Uh, in the, in his giants career and both covers came against uh, Washington, ironically, seven and 12 ATS at home. He's just not really good at home. He's not good as a favorite. So I just, I don't think that this is a, um, a great spot for, for the giants. And, you know, again, I don't love all these trends, but I think there are some kind of week one to week two trends that are interesting. Like teams like Carolina who lost straight up in week one as a favorite. And then our underdogs the next week have gone 19 and nine, 68% against the spread since 2010. So, you know, again, I think the market uh, overreacted a little bit with the Giants win and the Carolina loss, and um, they probably shouldn't be underdogs here, but uh, I think it's a great teaser leg. I absolutely love Carolina teaser, and uh, I'm going to keep this simple right now uh, and tell me if you disagree with anything that I say, T.A. Let's just say, let's be pro giants here and say, all right, running back is equal, close to equal between Barkley and McCaffrey. Oh, okay. Whatever. Who has the better quarterback Carolina, who has the better pass catchers rather easily Carolina, who has the better offensive line? Um, Pretty close. I think both offensive lines were terrible last year. They've improved a bit this year. They're both below average and who has a better defense Carolina pretty clearly. Would you agree? Would you disagree with any of that? No. And actually the offensive line, uh, Tennessee, I think I saw a stat that I think the first half of the, of the game last week, Daniel Jones got pressured more per drop back than any other quarterback in like the last decade. It was some crazy stat. I think they ended up with, um, Oh, I got to find the stat, but I think it was close to 50% pressure rate, uh, which is insane. It was number one in the NFL last week against, um, against the giants by Tennessee. So yeah, I, I definitely think that, uh, Carolina has, has the edge in pretty much every other category. So yeah, exactly. Carolina and my ratings, one and a half to two points better giants get one and a half for home field or something. This line should probably be pick them. So I like Carolina with the spread getting any amount of points. And I think it makes an excellent teaser. Like, all right, well guys, next up, we've got a game that'll get plenty of national attention. Of course, the new England Patriots opened as a one point favorite on the road in Pittsburgh key injuries, on both sides of this game, uh, New England's actually ticked up to minus two, minus two and a half at a lot of books. The total, which opened at 41, is just a little bit under that now, seeing 40 and 40 and a half out there. Um, you know, we've got questions around Mac Jones. We know TJ Watt is out. Um, what else should we be looking for in this game, TA? Yeah, I mean, I think this line is really interesting. I think the average Joe would sit there and say, well, how in the world are the, are the Patriots favored? after how they look last week and how the, the Steelers, you know, went into Cincinnati and won in overtime. And I think it just it comes down to the reason that New England's favored. If you look inside the box score, uh, well, two reasons. One's a J.J. Watt injury or the T.J. Watt injury, which we could talk about in a second. But um, just looking inside the box score, uh, you know, Pittsburgh had a plus five turnover margin uh, over Cincinnati. And if you go back, I looked it up because I was curious. If you go back since 2000, uh, there have been 140 teams that had a plus five turnover margin uh, advantage and 135 of them won straight up. And if it wasn't for a, uh, a, a missed extra point by Evan McPherson, it would have been, you know, 134. Like it's, they were that close to losing with a plus five turnover margin, which is incredible. 77% of, of all teams that had a plus five turnover margin since 2000, won by at least double digits. So what the, the Steelers did was just, they got lucky to win that game, even though they got every break in the book. And so, you know, offensively, they did absolutely nothing. I mean, they had one uh, offensive touchdown. Um, 
out of th- out of 11 drives that didn't end in a turnover, um, only three of them, they had either two first downs or a touchdown. They led the NFL last week in punts per drive and second, second most in three and outs per drive. So they were pretty awful. And then Najee Harris is, is also hurt. He's questionable, will probably play, but look, the guy had a, a foot injury in, in training camp as well. So he's not going to be hundred uh, percent. Then defensively, obviously with, with TJ Watt being out, I mean, you're going to hear a lot about these splits. And again, we talked about this yesterday, but you know, th- since 2017, if you look at his on off splits, the Steelers are uh, a much different team defending the pass historically. So when he is on the field, uh, they've got they've allowed an EPA per drop back of negative point two one four to quarterbacks, which is essentially like a top five ish pass defense. When he's been off the field, they've, they've allowed a plus point zero one five eight, which uh, is like equivalent to the Houston Texans last year. So it's it's a pretty pretty much a night and day uh, gap there. And, you know, obviously there's some noise with some of these on off splits, but we're talking about over 600 plays here, uh, without Watt. So, you know, we've seen a decent sample size and he's by far their best edge rusher or best, best defender in general. So I think that new England's going to obviously benefit there. So I think that's part of the line move here. Um, and then all the, you know, the defense was on the field for 93 plays last week in, in OT, uh, and historically, you know, kind of 90, if you look 90 plus plays, these defenses the next week struggle uh, against uh, against offenses. I looked it up since 2000, 23 teams have allowed opposing offense to run at least 90 plays. And then the next week, <clears throat> those opponents have gone over their team total in 16 of those games. So close to 70%. So there's clearly something there uh, from a kind of a, um, you know, stamina standpoint, not sure if it's as big of a factor after week one, but still it's an issue. So all of that combined, I think, you know, yeah, New England didn't look great. They got you know unlucky with the turnovers themselves kind of opposite of, of the Steelers. And so uh, I'll be curious to see how this line closes. I don't think it gets to three. I'm not sure, but um, but I think that they'll close a favor and, and it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, uh, kind of how many people <laughs> jump on board the Steelers bandwagon because I know Mike Tomlin as an underdog is a very famous, uh, very popular trend out there. So um, it's going to be an interesting game. I think it'll come down to the end, but uh, I think that's why Nolan's favorite here. Yeah, I'm anti-Steelers. Trust me, I really last week, I know it was a fluke. The fact that they had to go to overtime to win that game, despite all the turnovers that Cincinnati had was not encouraging in their offense. Wasn't encouraging with that said, New England, I spoke about it last week before the Miami game. It's just been an entire training camp of negative reports about their offense. And in my opinion, They didn't do a ton to really answer any of those questions about this offense. And now you have Mac Jones dealing with a potential back injury. Mike Lombardi on his podcast, a big Patriots guy, was saying that he thought Jones lacked a lot of velocity on his passes after he had that injury. It's just a team that I've been fading for a while and since the preseason, since they struggled against the Panthers backups in the preseason. They struggled against the Raiders backups in the preseason. According to all uh, reports from beat writers, they struggled in joint practices. The Miami game wasn't super encouraging until they prove me wrong. I'm going to keep looking to either pass or bet against new England. And I think that the line has gotten a little ridiculous right now with them, a two point favorite in Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh would be the side that I would be looking at. Very interesting. I love it when you guys go against the line movement. That uh, that gets me excited because I feel like I'm part of some club that uh, that the rest of the people don't know about. This is great. Uh, the Rams took it on the chin against the Bills. Um, banner night and all that stuff. But it doesn't look like that dissuaded the books. They were open as an 11-point favorite at home to the Atlanta Falcons. Total at 48. Total has dropped a couple of points. We've seen the, uh, even 45 and a half out there right now. The spread has stayed about the same, 11s and 10s and a half, 10 and a half all over the board. I actually even see one 11 and a half, two 11 and a halfs out there now. Um, any any way to play this game? Uh, let's start with you, Hitman. Yeah, um, I could only probably play the Rams. I think that what happened last week was more about Buffalo just schematically just being able to play 
the Rams by rushing four. You have an immobile quarterback that if you're going to pressure him that many times without blitzing once, he's not going to be able to do much. And the Falcons have been a team, it feels like seemingly for years, that have been weak in the trenches on the offensive and defensive line. So I don't think that they're going to be able to attack this Rams offense in a similar way that Buffalo just did. And obviously with their offensive line being a big weakness, Aaron Donald and this Rams pass rush should probably have a bounce back game. Um, under Sean McVay, the Rams have been really good with a rest advantage. They're 10-5-1 against the spread with that subset. And coming off that embarrassing loss, you would just have to think that you're going to get a pretty motivated favorite in the Rams. So uh, no power rating value, not going to be a game that I likely play, but it's one of those gun to the head I would look towards the Rams. All right, we'll move along to our next game. It's the Seattle Seahawks, who came up big for all of us on Monday night. That was a fun one. Uh, they opened as eight-and-a-half-point underdogs, total 42-and-a-half, in San Francisco against the 49ers. Now, really hard to judge the 49ers on that game. Hard to judge Trey Lance on the game last week. Um, the spread is all over the place, actually, across the books right now. I've seen eight-and-a-half, and I see a ten. Uh, total is around 42, though, most places we look. Um, let's start with you, I guess, T.A., if you've got any thoughts on this one. Yeah, no, no real major thoughts. Um, you know, it is obviously kind of a textbook bounce-back spot for San Francisco and a letdown spot for for Seattle coming off Monday night in that emotional game that was their Super Bowl. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm not a Geno truther, but I think he's better than most people think. And so he played like in the first half, but the second half, Denver made some adjustments and uh, Seattle didn't do anything. They didn't score. I think lost in all of that madness is they didn't put up any points in the second half. I'm not even sure if they crossed the midfield uh, at any point. So they, they had to hang on there. So that's a, that's a bad sign. You know, if, if someone, um, you know, if uh, San Francisco game plans well enough, they'll, they'll be able to slow him down. He didn't throw the ball down the field much at all. Uh, his a dot was really low. So uh, I'll, I'll look for San Francisco to keep things underneath and, you know, without Jamal Adams, that, that defense is pretty bad as it, as it was um, going in. But they, they looked awful once Jamal Adams left. I mean, I can't believe that they, they, they held Denver all those times at the goal line. But they were getting gashed left and right, and, and guys were wide open. So, you know, this, there is a chance this thing could just be an ugly, you know, 30 to 10 type of, type of outcome. Um, so, for me, it, it's – you know, lean San Francisco, but um, I, I haven't taken anything yet, but I would not touch Seattle here at all. Yeah. You know, I was way more interested in Seattle when they got bet up to plus 10. And just a few hours ago, you saw some money come in on them and, and put that line back to nine, which is where it opened. I, I, I would still lean towards them. There, there could be a little bit of weather issues with rain in this game, which typically benefits the underdog in these scenarios, just as you got to see last week with the bears against San Francisco and, you know, the Niners, they've struggled against uh, Seattle, specifically Shanahan against Pete Carroll. He's two and eight straight up four and eight against the spread against Seattle and his offense hasn't been as impressive against Pete Carroll's defense for whatever reason, even if you go back into their Super Bowl year, that where the Niners made the Super Bowl, it, it, Seattle was able to hang with them. So I know Seattle's destroyed with injuries defensively, especially at safety. But I thought Geno Smith looked a little bit better um, last week than I anticipated. Now, how much of that was Denver's defense versus his ability level? It's yet to be seen. I bet that most of it was pretty concerning on Denver's for Denver defensively, but. We don't know about Trey Lance right now. And with such an unknown with Trey Lance and a guy that's right now is over under is 190 passing yards and you're banged up at running back, it's not really the recipe to cover margin. So for me, it would probably be San Francisco, or excuse me, it would probably be Seattle or nothing. We talked about the injuries to the Dallas Cowboys already on this show. We talked about it on day to day. Before that game was over, before the Dak Prescott injury, the Cowboys opened at minus two, minus two and a half. They're now a seven and a half point underdog at home to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Total opened at 51, 51 and a half. 
Now it's at 41 and a half or 42. So congratulations. If you're going to get that middle play, that's, that's super interesting to me. Um, this is a, this is a curious one, you know, Joe Burrow with all those turnovers last week, certainly on characteristic and this Dallas Cowboys team, you know, with the injuries and, and Cooper rush, I suppose, starting a quarterback unless something changes drastically between now and Sunday. Are you guys touching this one? I'll start with you, uh, TA. No, again, we talked about it on the, on the, uh, uh, on the show yesterday, this is a textbook, you know, probably an overreaction, but it's not something that I want to touch. Um, typically when a elite quarterback gets, gets knocked out and there's a brand, you know, a backup that not many people know about, uh, you get all that momentum of, of people who want to take the favorite. So, you know, we've seen this line really, really jump through seven and I think it got to like nine at one point. So uh, interesting to see that uh, Dallas took a little bit of money. Um, you know, they're obviously going to be, I think there's a little bit of a letdown here too. Um, emotionally, Essentially, they played so bad last week, and then now they lose the quarterback. So, you know, are, are they going to be drained going into this game? Their offense, it's not just Dak, though. It's their offensive line has got so many issues. They have no receivers outside of CeeDee Lamb. Um, it's just – it's brutal on the offensive side of the ball. At least Cooper rushed last year against Minnesota when he made that that last-minute start, and he played pretty well. I mean, he had Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and um, C, and uh, CeeDee Lamb. So he, he had all his receivers – um, full complement, good offensive line. He's not going to have that this week. So, you know, I think this is really more of an uh, an under. Uh, I haven't touched any of this, but I think it's more of an under than anything. I, I think Cincinnati, um, Joe Burrow's got some issues from hold, holding the ball. Either that or the offensive line has not been fixed at all because they got harassed last week. And I think it's more he just wants to take those shots down the field. And so he's holding on to the ball a little bit too long. And this Dallas pass rush can get to you. We saw that last week. So I think there's going to be some drives that, the, the, you know, they're going to be restalled. And so, um, you know, maybe look to the team total under with Cincinnati. I'm not sure, but uh, I got to do a little more work. But I think this is a really low scoring game. And I think Cincinnati ends up winning. But I, I think it's more of like, a, you know, uh, two, two teams in the teens <laughs> at the end of the day. Uh, I can totally see that. So uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens here you know, with, with how Dallas recovers, but I, I don't think I want any part of it. Dallas right now is my lowest power rated team in the NFL. They're, they're right down there with the Houston's Chicago's of the world. And one of the big reasons is their offense. We, we know that Mike McCarthy is really not going to do anything creative to, to scheme these guys open. And what do they really have offensively? You have, Terrible receivers, aside from CeeDee Lamb. You have a bad offensive line with not only losing Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins, but now Connor McGovern is out. And you have what is right now probably the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. So Dallas is a team. I know we spoke earlier about uh, betting on bad teams, and yet it's about the number. It's not about the team. But Dallas is not a team that – I'm probably going to be looking to back often. So for me, it's a complete pass, but I could only play Cincinnati or tease Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, America's team, right? They're the public favorite. So you're, you're generally getting a better number betting against Dallas anyway. And when they're not a team that you like, well, yeah, it starts to add up. Um, widely panned for peeing his pants on national TV this week, Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, is still a double-digit favorite at home to the Houston Texans who um, tied the Indianapolis Colts last week. So doesn't seem to be taken away from the Broncos. What happened in Seattle doesn't seem to really give the Texans any kind of lift. Um, Hitman, what do, you, what do you think about this one? All right, so TA, I've been considering playing this, and I'm going to see you might be the person that pushes me off the ledge if you agree with this. Um, the over... It was opened at 43 and a half. A group released the over, got bet up to 45. I'm still looking towards possibly playing over 45. The Texans had the fourth highest pass rate over expectation last week. And Denver, you know, I know they played really slow against Seattle, but maybe some of that is, you know, they didn't have the preseason together. They're playing on the road in a hostile environment where it's pretty hard to play fast when you're going up against that crowd noise 
in Seattle, but now you're at home. And what did we hear the entire off season with Seattle with, uh, excuse me, with Denver is Russell Wilson wants to play fast. Now that he's not with Pete Carroll, he wants to play fast. And Nathaniel Hackett was even saying, you know, we're going to tailor this offense around Russell Wilson and he's going to basically be in control of it. So we have one team with the Texans that played fast threw the ball a lot last week. We have Denver who's been talking about it the entire offseason. Denver lost Justin Simmons today. They have some other injuries on their defense, really struggled against Geno Smith last week. And we obviously know that the Texans have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Um, Did I make enough of a case for you to uh, help push me over the ledge on this over? You know, that's interesting you say that. I was actually thinking the the team total Denver over because I would agree with you. I'm just... Houston still bothers me. I'm not in love with Davis Mills. Um, You know, if you actually look at some of his splits last year, home versus away. Now he did play tougher opponents away, but I mean, they, they couldn't score at all. They couldn't even move the ball. I remember I actually had them uh, in Arizona getting 17 and a half and the game was over for, you know, in the first quarter. Uh, So I don't know if, if that's just randomness there, but he has not really done anything on the road for whatever reason. It's all his uh, decent performances have been at home. So, you know, that's one thing that would scare me. Uh, but, but I think Denver is certainly going to be able to score. I thought they looked pretty – obviously the 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 false starts and, you know, some of the bonehead plays. But just from, like, when they, when Russell Wilson had time, like, I, I mean, his receivers were wide open. And he's got – you saw what happened with Jerry Judy breaking free for that touchdown. Like, there's a lot of talent out there. So, um, and like you mentioned, Houston defense isn't very good. So – yeah, I mean, if you're going to take the game total, I, I would definitely think the, the over is, is the right play. But, um, you know, if you can get Denver under, you know, 20, I don't even know if it's 27 or so, you know, I think that's a pretty good number too. If you just wanted to hit, if you wanted to isolate Denver just to kind of show their, show off their brand new toy at home, um, you know, that's that's one area to look at too. Denver team total on bet stamp right now, 27 and a half with juice to the over. So, um, you're not the only by, uh, only person thinking along those lines for sure coming into this one. All right. Um, another sexy matchup, especially for the, uh, the casual fan and maybe the fantasy fan out there. The Arizona Cardinals open three and a half point underdogs, total of 52 at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. And uh, I talked about it last week. The, the ticket prices at Allegiant are, are not for the faint of heart. Um, I'm not sure that this Arizona team is for the faint of heart either. Kyler Murray's still throwing into really tall people uh, when he's in the pocket is one thing I noticed with him last week. This line has moved. It went up to six. Now we're seeing mostly five and a half on the board. We talked about this on the day-to-day show yesterday. Arizona still still, still dealing with injuries. The total, which opened uh, at 52, is now mostly 51 and a half across the board. Let's start with UTA. Uh, what do you think about this one? Yeah, you know, we talked about the overreaction week, and this is probably the biggest one. Uh, I think this line was two and a half before week one. So it was two and a half before week one, and then three and a half when it re- when it reopened um, late Sunday, and then now it's you know, five and a half, six. So seeing a gigantic move, and I think – you know, I talked about it last week. We this was a horrible matchup for for Arizona. The cluster injuries are going up against Mahomes and Andy Reid with a whole offseason to, to prepare for you. You have no shot. So, you know, you kind of I mean, they looked horrible, but we knew they were going to look horrible. So I don't necessarily knock them that much for that, because, you know, you're, any any team facing uh, in that situation, facing Mahomes and Andy Reid is going to look like that. You know, but they're not a good defense. There's no doubt about that. We'll see if they get back JJ Watt. Um, you know that's obviously going to be be key. But in general, they're they're gonna they're gonna blitz a lot. And they're gonna take chances and and hope that they they cause some mistakes. Derek Carr is pretty good against the blitz, although he was bad last week. Uh, the limited times that that he was blitzed, um, but you know it, he's not Patrick Mahomes. So I think that in general you you have to look Arizona here if you're going to look that way. Uh, again, another trend last 12 years, teams that, that lost by double digits in week one have come back. You know, if you just blindly bet that, which I don't suggest, but if you blindly bet that you cover 62% of the time in week two, uh, makes a lot of sense. You, you get blown out and, you know, the market already um, loses favor with you. So, you know, we're seeing that here. Uh, there are some injury concerns with, with the Raiders too. It's not just the cards, uh, their center, Andre James 
who was the only offensive lineman who graded higher than a 66 by PFF in, in pass blocking last week. Uh, he's questionable with a concussion. The offensive line in general is really bad. So there is a chance that, you know, with all that blitzing, Arizona could overwhelm them at some times um, and, and get to car. But um, so I think there's some, <clears throat> there's a chance for some big plays on both sides of the ball. The Raiders have issues in the secondary, which I think Kyler Murray can take advantage of. Uh, the starting corners were already uh, pretty weak for, for the Raiders. Nate Hobbs is okay. He's in the slot, um, but their outside corners are Rocky Sin and Anthony Averett, two average to below average corners. Averett's out now. He's on IR, just got hurt um, uh, in the game on Sunday. And there looks like on the depth chart, Amrick Robertson is going to start outside. And I, I couldn't believe this number when I looked it up. Now, he's only played 109 snaps in coverage in his career. But he's been atrocious uh, when he's played. He's had PFF coverage grades of 45 and a half and 39.9, which are like at the bottom of the bottom. He's been targeted 23 times in his career. He's allowed 18 receptions for 199 yards and four touchdowns in 23 targets. I mean, that's a 3.7% TD to coverage snap rate, which to put that number in perspective, last year among qualifying cornerbacks, the highest percentage was a guy named Brandon Faison at one and a half percent. So we're, we're talking about more than double the worst quarterback in the NFL last year when it comes to, to TDs allowed in coverage. So if he is matched up against Hollywood Brown or even Greg Dorch, who's a, who had an interesting game uh, in the slot last week, if Ronald Moore plays, like I think there's going to be a lot of spots for Arizona and Kyler Murray to put up points here. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think that uh, Arizona is the only way, for me at least, to look. I mean, you can't take the Raiders here at five and a half or six after, you know, it was sitting at two and, you know, two and a half in the look ahead and three and a half at the open that, you know, I just think that's way too much um, after what happened last week. So to me, it's an Arizona um, it's backing Arizona here with the overreaction. Agree. Just like you said, we spoke about overreactions at the start of the podcast. And this is one that I would say is a pretty big overreaction. Everybody's leaving, leaving Arizona for dead, but the Raiders, I'm at four on this game, so I could only side with Arizona. Just three games left on the card. Uh, the Chicago Bears open as nine and a half point underdogs at Lambeau against the Packers team and uh, certainly an Aaron Rodgers that was wildly frustrated last week against the Minnesota Vikings. Thank you for cashing that money line for me, Minnesota. Total opened at 44 or 45. It was all over the place depending on where you shop and we're now looking at a 10 point spread pretty much across the board total 42 and a half 43 hitman give me your thoughts i like green bay and i think that this line will trickle down to nine nine and a half range where i think that it's playable don't wait don't lay 10 just wait for that nine nine and a half to pop up i think you'll get it green bay after a loss with matt lafleur nine and oh straight up well, do they cover? Do they win big? Yeah, they do. Margin of victory of fourteen after a loss. Six and zero straight up and against the spread against Chicago under Lafleur as well. As Aaron Rodgers has said, he absolutely has owned Chicago. It's a tremendous bounce back spot. All I can think about with this game is what happened last year when Green Bay didn't play guys during the preseason. They came out very flat against the Saints. And what happened the next week? They played Detroit on Monday Night Football as an eight, eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Blew them out in that game. Just I'm getting a lot of the same vibes this week against a Bears team that, listen, there's a reason that their over-under win total closed five-and-a-half in some spots. I totally agree. Uh, if you get a nine-and-a-half, perfect. <laughs> I think Hitman covered it all. Well, that's the Sunday nighter. We have two games on Monday night. Do the Tennessee Titans have a chance to cover? Uh, they opened it as nine and a half point dogs. It's 10 pretty much everywhere now against the Buffalo Bills. Total opened at 50. That's come down a few points, 47 and a half to 48 and a half on the board. The Bills look pretty good in week one. Now they have their home opener. Anyone dare uh, bet against them? Uh, let's go with UTA. Yeah, I think Hitman has a, probably a, a better analysis than I do. Just two two fun uh, trends again, uh, week one to week two. 
I promise you, I won't be talking about trends a lot in the future, but um, I do pay attention this early. I, I talked about similar to Carolina, um, 19 and nine against the spread for teams since 2010, who lost straight up as a, as a favorite and our dogs in week two, which Tennessee is. And then also a fade of Buffalo since 2010 teams off a blow off blowout win. So 21 or more in week one are just seven and 19 against the spread. So 27% the next week. So again, that favors Tennessee here because you're fading Buffalo. So just purely off of kind of a, a one team, just look great. Market loves them. The other team lost outright to the giants as a favorite. Now they're, they're getting no respect, you know, so just those kind of two things combined gives you, you know, you know, you have value on Tennessee. It's just a matter if you're willing to step in front of the train, the Buffalo train, uh, because they just may be that dominant. So, you know, and, and Tennessee isn't the type of team to, um, you know, come from behind. So they're going to they're gonna have to build a lead or at least stay in it early. I will say Mike Vrabel is awesome as a, a, a big underdog. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but um, historically he, he's dominated. And actually last year we saw it multiple times. Um, where every time they were an underdog by more than five, six points, not only did they cover, they won outright. So um, I'd be very careful if I was looking at Buffalo here. So um, I'm curious to see what, what Hitman has to say on this one. I'm not going to give you much of an analysis on this one. I think that I hate to pass post right now, but the way to play this was after Buffalo dominated the Rams, there was a book that, typically takes some square action and doesn't exactly have the sharpest uh, odds makers in the world. So I'll just say DraftKings. They <laughs> left up the Bills minus seven on this look ahead line for about a day. And the way to approach this was you see a game like that, you know that everybody's going to look to bet Buffalo and you could pound them on that line. And then you could hopefully play back if you don't like the bet. And we, we have a situation like that right now where Buffalo is now laying 10. I think that the proper adjustment has been made from the previous week. There's not much that I'm going to probably do with this spread. And this one is the one that's the most curious to me, although I guess the action uh, goes to speak where with what I'm thinking as well. The Minnesota Vikings opened Sunday night as a three-point underdog against the Philadelphia Eagles. Guys, I thought the Vikings looked really, really good. <laughs> like, really good. Uh, total opened at 48 and a half. Uh, Eagles didn't seem to be able to keep the Detroit Lions off the board. What are they going to do with uh, this juggernaut, it seems, that the Vikings have put together? It's been bet down now. Minnesota's about a one-point underdog most places, some places two total between 50 and a half, 51 and a half. Hitman, do you think the way I think here or am I missing something? I like the over in the game. Um, Minnesota, they, um, we, we talked last week about that they're going to look to throw the ball more. And Kirk Cousins threw the ball over 20 times in the first half. The reason that he didn't have more attempts in that game was because they were blowing Green Bay out in the second half, didn't really have to use them. Uh, likewise, the Eagles, they had – in the second half of last season, the highest situation neutral run rate and adding A.J. Brown, there was some speculation that they might look to throw the ball more. And they were throwing the ball at a pretty high clip in that first half, or at least high for them in that first half against Detroit. And the same thing happened. They get up 31 to 14, then they start running the ball a little bit more. So I, I think this is a game where the market maybe isn't fully accounting for the fact that both these teams are going to be a lot more pass heavy than they were last season. I like the matchup for both these offenses. Eagles are primarily a zone coverage defense. And what you saw last week was uh, Minnesota and Kevin O'Connell, they schemed Justin Jefferson away from Jari Alexander and Green Bay's zone. And they got him matched up numerous times on linebackers, safeties, and Cousins had a great game against Green Bay's zone. And the Eagles, as I just said, primarily a zone team. And Minnesota, their run defense still struggled. They allowed 6.3 yards per carry last week, and they were a bad run defense last year. So when Philly does happen to run the ball, I think they're going to have success also. So I like the over 50 and a half in this one. I, I, I agree with you. I think the I think it's going to be a fun game, actually. I think both teams will throw it more than we think. I think uh, you know, last week, 
Minnesota for all, all the great things they did. They actually allowed the highest percentage of explosive run plays in the NFL to Green Bay. So uh, I, I think you could exploit them on the ground. Obviously, with Jalen Hurts and that offensive line, I think they will. But both teams are going to – I think they're both teams are going to want to score here. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I haven't touched it, but I, I'm going to look at this over as well. I think it's a really interesting one. So I think it's a fun game, though. It's a really good matchup. So, um, But, I, I, you know, I don't really have a lean either way uh on, on the side but you know i agree i agree on that total well i'll i'll have the two screen viewing experience going on monday night that's for sure guys thank you so much for running down this card here on edge rush for week two um i'll leave the floor open if there's anything left to be said i know we've covered most of it but uh, any parting shots from either of you guys nothing for me i just hopefully we continue the winning way it sounds like we all won last week and you know, trying to get another five and zero in the contest. So, um, you know, hopefully uh, things pan out, and you know, we're back here next week talking about all our victories. But uh, I wish everybody best of luck. I think there's, I think we gave out a lot of good actionable information, and you know, pay attention to those injury reports. Those, those are important, especially this early. So, um, you know, uh, I hope everybody has a has a good week in the NFL. Yeah, all I got to say is that I got to get back to work because clearly I'm the weak link of this podcast because I went three and two in the Westgate and three and two in the Circa. So I got to start grinding a little bit to, to pick my record up and get it on par with everybody else on this podcast. I won't go four and one every week, but I'm sure going to bask in it for now. Maybe I'll try and sneak out a quarter prize. Uh, if I had it gone one and four, I was just going to immediately go for the for the booby prize at Circa. But I'm sure I'll get caught somewhere in the middle, finish around 1800th, as I usually do. So congratulations to you guys. I bet you'll both finish higher. And T.A., if you go on the run, we just ask that you take us all for a meal with your with your million dollars. Oh, it's not, we'll, we'll have a big party uh, week 18 if we get to that point. Don't worry. <laughs> I am Chris Abbott at Real Chris Abbott on Twitter. He is TA from Clev Analytics at Clev TA. He is the Hitman at Hitman428 on, on Twitter. We are Edge Rush. You can find us at the Hammer Betting Network at the Hammer HQ. Thanks so much to producer Jason. Good luck to everybody out there. We will see you all back here same time next week. Good luck in your week two NFL plays.